one. How are we doing? Feeling good? Yeah, some of you. Yeah. You mad you're here? Who, who drug you to church? Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you got to, it sounds like the, usually whenever you don't want to be here, it's because the, the Lord has a word for you and uh, the enemy of your soul's like, I don't want you to hear that. Mm-mm, don't you go. And so I, I learned a long time ago, I'm just, this is free. When I was first, first really starting to follow the Lord, the Lord's ordained like this, this, this relationship with a Nigerian man. And I, I, I was without driver's license. Let me tell you, this is, this is what I was coming out of. And I was living in Austin, Texas. I got, a, I got an apartment on a bus route, the same bus route that the church was on that I was choosing to go to. I was committed. Like, I'm going to live on the bus route that this church is, is on. Here's what I found out. That bus doesn't run on Sundays. <laughs> and I, got, I called the cab, and I remember looking at the cab, the taxi there, and it was 10. I, I can still see it in red. You know, the old dashboard uh, charge, 1081. I'm like, I'm going to have to pay $10.81 one way every Sunday to get to church? That's $22 a, a, a week. That's $100 on practically a month. Like, and then there's five days, like July, five weekends, like, Whew, this is going to get expensive. On the way home, this Nigerian taxi driver that picked me up because I needed a, I had to call a taxi to get home. There I was sitting at the bus stop, the only person there waiting. Oh, he's talking about pride coming down low. You know, the word says that uh, if you, the haughty will be brought down. Let me tell you, that was my scenario. And there I am, and this, this taxi pulls around, this uh, minivan taxi, something like an old Chrysler, and gets in, I get in, and he's taking me home to my apartment, which is not far away, and he starts, he starts talking conversation and saying things as if he knew me, and he knew some things already. Like, this is weird, and I'm like, I'm just now really starting to follow the Lord, like, really going all in, and I'm very immature. He gets me to my, my apartment, and he says, uh, that's my church too. He goes, in fact, I'm going to drive you. I'm going to pick you up every Sunday, and I'm going to bring you home every Sunday when you need a ride. And any other place you need a ride to, I'm going to, you call me, and it's going, to be, it's going to be completely free. Let me just tell you, when the, you start following the Lord, he starts ordering footsteps, and he starts making things happen in your favor. So I didn't have to worry about the, the charges anymore. And then here's, here's what I wanted to say. Here's what brought that up. There were Sundays where I quit. I'm not going to church. I don't, I'm, I'm enough. No, you're not. He's calling me. I don't call him anymore. He's calling me. I'll be there. At, you know, strong Nigerian accent. I'm not going. Yes, you are. I'm not going. Yes, you are. All right, I'm going. <laughs> the very thing I needed to hear that day. And so I'm so thankful for those, those people that God uses in our lives to lead us back to him and our purpose. Amen. Well, you have some of those people that brought you here, that invited you to be here, and you actually acted upon it. And you're mad at them right now. You're going to be even more mad at them after service. But they love you. They will get over it. I like that. They will get over it. Hey, I want to tell you about something else. Thrive Leadership School. We are in our third semester coming up. We have completed one full year. And I'm encouraging you that if you're looking for more than just a small group and more than just Sunday, which is, which is huge, but more than just Sunday, and more than just conversation, but I'm not quite ready for seminary, this right here is for you. If you're wondering, how can I lead myself better? 
This is right here for you. Because you can't lead anyone else unless you can lead yourself. And so this is for you. If you're wondering, how can I lead in the business world, the professional world better? This is for you. How can I walk in ministry at in, within the church? This is for you. I'm, so I'm telling you, if you're, if you're feeling a need for challenge, because that's what it is, it's going to take a lot of uh, commitment. And here's why we do it. The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. We're just trying to build up workers. Because we need the harvest to come in. So that's what this is for. Again, deadline is July 1st. Applications come in, and then we start the interview process. So please, please, please trust the Lord and go all in. If you feel a prompting by the Holy Spirit, I promise you he has something for you on the other side. You can get in at any semester. You're still going to get the four semesters worth of content. And let me just tell you, it just keeps, it keeps getting better and better and better. All right, some other news I want, for, I want to let you know about. You're going to be hearing a lot more about our, our new playground that we're putting in. Hey, somebody, be happy about it. So, uh, one, I want to play on this, and I can't wait to get it. Uh, but it's going to be right out here, just outside of these doors. A lot of climbing stuff, a lot of fun stuff. A couple of uh, two slides over here, a little swirly slide over here climbing things here. Here's what I see. I don't see plastic and metal. I see families getting saved because little kids are going to wear their parents out to get to this playground. And when daddy starts coming to church, there's a 93% chance, fa factual, 93% chance the whole family gets saved. I see, I see salvations. That's, that's what I see. I also see because of all the growth and the stewardship, there's a play, there's an overview, and that's where it's going to be laid out right over here. Because of the growth of our church and the, the needs and demands because of all the counseling, all the freedom, and our youth growing, we don't have a place for our, our six to eight, uh, six to nine year uh, graders to come in and have a place for development, ministry, serving, fun, a place that they actually want to come to. So we're, we're building a space for them. Half of it, this half, is for our youth. The other half is for our senior staff. Again, we're maxed out midweek. We're not a, just a Sunday church. We are doing ministry all week long. We're training, we're equipping, we're developing, and we're working a strategic process to move the vision that God has on this house forward with intention. So we, we, there's a lot of work that we have to do. And so our senior staff will be over there. Here's the backside, not very impressive. On the over here, offices, these are little collaboration spots where we can work out with our leaders how to execute what God is asking us to do. Uh, youth side over here, fun space, ping pong tables, foosball, who knows what else. But then they'll come in at this, this multi-use conference room where it'll be like a small group setting as if they're just sitting down with Jesus and learning. Here's what they're going to learn. They're going to learn how to defend their faith before they get into high school. They're going to need to learn how to defend their faith and what they believe, why they believe it. That's, that's, you should be happy about that. You should be like, I wish somebody would have told me that and taught me that before I got in high school and started doing stupid things. Amen. That's why we're doing <laughs> Me. All right. So anyway, storage bill, storage back here, storage, break room, all the boring, other boring stuff. But that's what we're working on right now. Uh, you're gonna, that's gonna, probably going to break down later, uh, break ground later in the year. But this is also why we honor God in our tithes and all of our, as Proverbs says, and all, all of our possessions and all the first fruit of all of our increase. How do I know, know what to give from? Well, did you have it before? No. Do you have it now? Yes, that's increased, tithe from that. Pretty simple? Easy enough. Whether you like it or not, it's God's word. All right, so here's, what, here's, what, here's why I say that. We discussed it last week. Because so many of believers are living life 
not seeing the silver lining in life, not realizing that God is doing something on the backside or in the midst of the problems, the traumas, the difficulties, the issues, the circumstances, the bad days, the depression, the anxiety, the worries that we're so focused on. And in the midst of that, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how God works in my life and how his principles work for my life when this is what I'm constantly getting. And so I'm happy. I'm like, woohoo. And then I'm like, oh, no, and then I'm frazzled, and then I'm stressed, and I'm crying, but I'm happy again because I need to put up on a happy face for all the people that I see. So we're talking about, we're talking about another play that we're going to run. Oh, come on. You can do it. So we're talking about rest. So we, we've talked about praying. We've got we've to learn how to really pray. And so in the first week, four weeks ago, please go back and watch that, there were many people that said, you know what, such a basic message, but so revelatory. There's things that I knew to do, but I forgot about, or there was things that I didn't know this is what prayer actually looks like. But we have to do it. And then we talked about rejoicing, learning that I need to rejoice in my sufferings, my trials, my issues, because that brings perseverance. When I'm able to rejoice and worship God in the midst of my trial, I'm not celebrating the trial, but I'm celebrating what God is doing in me so that I can be prepared, get his wisdom so that I can go through the trial. And in the midst of that, I'm not running from life situations. I'm not learn, learn, running from circumstances. I'm learning how to persevere through hard times while by faith applying the principles of God in my situation. This is what perseverance looks like. And in the midst of persevering, God is proving my character because I can't act like the old nature and walk in the new man. So you missed a lot if you missed that week, but you can go back and listen to it. And then in the midst of that is learning to praise him. So I thank him. I rejoice. I thank him. Thank you, Lord. When I thank him, I get wisdom. And then when I praise him, I'm actually praising. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And then week three, we talked about honor. Last week, honor. And that's what we heard. If we honor God, how do I honor God? Well, with my possessions and the first fruit of all my increase. And when I don't... When I don't honor God in all of his word, that's just a little piece of it. When I don't, here's what he says. In Samuel, 1 Samuel, God say, the word says, he honors those who honor him. Boy, I want to be honored in life. I want favor. I want blessings. I want, I want his best for my life. Amen? Amen? But when I don't honor God, he, low, he, he lowly esteems, lightly esteems. Another version says he disdains. You know what that means? It means when I don't honor God and his principles in all the ways that he chooses, he doesn't meet my needs and he doesn't answer my prayers. I need God to meet my needs and I need God to hear my prayers. And so therefore, my part is to by faith and discipline and principle honor him in the fullness of what his word says and stop arguing with him. Do you ever, feel, you ever feel honored when people argue with you? Okay, I think you're on the right track. So, <laughs> so the last piece is rest. Now, so I've entered his gates with thanksgiving. I've prayed, thanksgiving, courts with praise, and now I got into the holiest of holies because now I'm actually honoring him because he won't be in the presence of pride. This is, he, if you come in with him proud, you're not going to get much. 
But when I come in with honor, humble, and yielded to his way and his will and his presence, now he starts to really bless. He starts to cause things to flourish. And when he does, now, and in the time, because I know him, I know him in testimony and I know his character, no matter what the current situation, I can now rest going forward because he is going to cause things to work to my advantage. This is who he is. So this is what rest looks like. Uh, I'm going to tell you some of the things that, uh, that are indicators that, that I need rest. We need to know. How do I know that I need rest beyond a principle? Well, one, my resistance is lower. I make the worst decisions when I'm tired. Like I'm stressed, I'm taxed out, I'm trying to. I really love God, and I spent my little devotional time, but I really didn't get in God's presence. I just did my duty, and then I got out of that. It made me feel good, but my, I didn't get really deep-rooted into the presence of God so that my, I can find rest in Him, and I can make wise decisions from there. So my resistance is lower. Now I'm starting to be tempted by many things. I've got a lot of voices and a lot of distractions, and I'm going, I want to go many directions because I've got no clarity from the Lord. In Luke 21, 34, in the NIV, he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. Anybody got a weighed down heart? Feel heavy? Remember, he gave his garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for mourning. I'm weighed down with carousing. I'm starting to get distracted. Boy, I got them temptations. Mm, Facebook, Oof, did you see that? Oh, the videos, YouTube. Did you see that? Oh, hey, Instagram. Oh, did you, see, did you see him? Did you see her? I'm starting to carouse. Or I'm carousing from God. I'm starting all these hobbies. I'm trying to get life from things that aren't purpose to give me life because I'm not spending time resting in the Lord, carousing drunkenness. Like, I got to get drunk just to go to sleep. I'm not talking about having a drink. I'm talking about a lifestyle of drunkenness because I don't know how to deal with me and what's going on in here and the way my heart being weighed down. And the anxieties of life. I'm stressed. I don't know how to handle the situation. I don't know how this is going to work out. Anxieties. I don't have to explain anxiety to anybody. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Like it doesn't, it doesn't just happen one day. Like all of a it doesn't just, yep, you did it and now this. It's a slow progression of you being conditioned into these things. And then all of a sudden, anxieties come. I don't know where anxieties came from. I don't know where being weighed down came from. It was a progression of not being in the presence of the Lord. And number, the next one, my emotions are inconsistent. Here's how I know I need breath. My emotions are inconsistent. I'm all over the place. I am those smiley faces and sad faces and, and all faces. And, and everybody else needs you to put up with me because I'm, I'm everywhere. My emotions are inconsistent. Why am I getting so mad all the time? Why does everything bother me? How come every time those kids wake up, I'm angry at them? <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> like you imagine choke holding people all the time. You might, you might, just a suggestion, could be your pace of life. But let me tell you this, when emotions are, when emotions, oh, sorry, when emotions are high, character is at its lowest. Like, I can't be who God's created me to be and be emotionally tapped out. I'm pulling from old man. I'm living a life with best, with my heart is, my intentions are good, but I'm living off old manna instead of going to him, spending time with him, and getting some new manna for the season currently and the season ahead. So I believe, and, and uh, don't get me wrong, I believe we need to start talking less about chemical imbalances and more about coming into the presence of God, receiving from God, finding rest, and allowing God to restore those things that are out of balance. 
some lady came to me with such a good intention after service last while ago, and did you say no prescription medicines? Because it's not what I'm saying. And, and, and I lived that life. And I can tell you, the moment I finally decided, Lord, I don't want to do this all my life. Will you please help me? I yielded and surrendered and submitted to him and his ways. I had to make a lot of choices that changed. I couldn't live my old way and follow him. And so I had to listen. I had to make life changes. I had to make life decisions that didn't look like my old nature. I had to let go of a lot of control. I had to let go of a lot of pride. And when I did, I let go of a lot of, lot of substance. Hallelujah. I think the more we focus on the presence of God, the more the chemical imbalance starts to go down. I think, the less we, I think the more we focus on the chemical imbalance, we start to protect it. Now, identity is over here, and less do I need the presence of God. You watch it. Because if I start talking about chemical imbalance and, and prescription medicine, if you get all bowed up, you might have the wrong God. Job 9.25, my days go, go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Anybody feel like that? Like the comparison, I got to keep up with the Smiths, I got to keep up with the Jones, I got to have that, I know I can, I know I should, I need to take on this and take on that, and now I have no joy, but I'm doing all these things. My productivity suffers. Like I don't, I'm not very produ productive. Come on. My pro I'm, now I'm, not, I'm getting less and less productive. And, and I think if I work 60 hours I'll get a week, I'll get more done. In reality, you get less done because you don't have the clarity, you don't have the understanding, you don't have the focus anymore, and you're actually getting less done. It takes 10 hours to do three hours of work after 55 hours. But if I'll rest and I'll get in the presence of God and I'll get some clarity and understanding, I'll give him a ch chance to work on my behalf, and then I can move with, with focus into the whatever it is that I need to get done. And he blesses it. It's the principle of sharpening the saw. Stephen Covey in his book, uh, Seven Practices of a Highly Effective People, he says, you got to take a day to sharpen the saw. Anybody ever cut a tree down? Try to cut a tree down with a saw, an axe that was really dull, or a chainsaw. You've been cutting, cutting, cutting. You didn't take time to t sharpen the chainsaw, and the thing just won't cut through the tree. So one hack, is the, one hack of a sharp saw is the equivalent of 50 of a dull saw. And here we are wearing ourselves down, trying to, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Instead of just, let me just get with the Lord, see what he says, and see how we need to get this. I like that route right there. Proverbs 21.5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry. Like I just keep, I'm hurrying, I'm busy, but it just feels like it just keeps getting further and further away. You ever try to buy, drive, uh, grab a beach ball in the ocean? thing just keeps getting further and further on out. <laughs> That's life. When I'm just busy doing and doing and doing, it feels like my goals just get further and further. I used to be able to see it, see it so clearly. When was that? When I spent more time with the Lord. My life loses meaning. I don't even know why. I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. I don't even know why I exist. I don't even know why, why I work here. I don't even know why I show up. I don't even know why. I don't know, I don't even, I've lost it. And without a plan, you're planning to fail. Like if you don't have a plan for one year from now, if you haven't gone to the Lord and got some vision from what does life look like for, for me in a year, you're planning to fail. You're, you're running with no vision. You're just kind of wandering around in circles hoping that something works. 
But you get a plan, get some vision from the Lord, and you start, let's, how, let's work this thing backwards, Lord, so I can get some waypoints to actually get there. And I need to meet with you. I need to have a staff meeting with you, Lord, every week so make sure I'm on the right track. Then you'll start to fulfill some vision and goals that God already has designed for you. Can I tell you the things that are on your heart, the desires? God wants them for you worse than you actually want them. And you're just trying to figure out how to work them out on your own rather than going to him and say, Lord, how do you want to execute this? My life loses meaning. Feeling empty. Let me put it this way. You're not good at everything. You have a sweet spot in life that you have been designed for. And you're really good at those few things. And those are the things that you have to find with the Lord and just get really good and focused on those things. And you may be saying, well, I'm pretty good. I got a trophy for that. And I'm like, I want to show you this trophy. I got a trophy. Furthest from the first, baby. (laughs) Does that mean I should keep doing it? Furthest from the first. That means last. I got a trophy for that. This is where some of you are holding on to things that you really want, but you're not good at. And God didn't call you to do it. He's called you to do some other things. But you're like, but I got a trophy. Did you look at what it says? (laughs) But here's what I did. I said, okay, I got you. Maybe it's your your spiritual life. It feels like you're furthest from the first. What I did was two and a half years ago, I got a coach. That ain't going to happen to me. I got a coach, started taking some lessons. And guess what? My game got worse. My golf game got worse. Hey. And I was mad, I was angry, I was like ready to give up. And that's how it is when you start walking with Christ. It feels like all hell's breaking loose and life just gets worse. Why did I even do this? It was better when I wasn't saved and following the Lord. Amen? It's that journey of fighting and finding new, overcoming battles, that perseverance piece that we were just talking about, rejoicing in the trials. And the more I just kept practicing the way my coach said to practice, I be, it began to click and it began to work. I'd go back and get another lesson. In between lessons, I'd go and practice exactly what he said and then until I couldn't remember. I'd go back and get another lesson, practice exactly what he said until I couldn't remember. I'd go back. I started recording the lessons. I would watch them. I would practice exactly what he said. Then I'd go back and watch it and practice a little fine-tuning the details of life. I'm wondering what would happen if the body of Christ would take a message, break it down, apply it to their life situation, Situation. Go to the Word. See, what does the Lord, the Lord say about my situation how to handle it? And watch how He works things out for our progression. I dropped my golf game by 20 strokes in two and a half years. That's incredible. The last tournament I played, let me tell you, we won that this other team came in 30 minutes late and say they be- beat us by one. Come on. No, you didn't. Let me put you, uh, hook you up to a lie detector. It's okay. I don't need it that bad. Because now I know who I am. (laughs) But too much of the body of Christ doesn't know who they are because they're not breaking down the word. They're not spending time. They're not coming in and taking notes of, man, Pastor Nathan's bringing the word. Or wherever you're going, he's bringing the word. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to start to apply that to my decisions of the week and situations and see how God works. I'm going to go to the word daily and start to spend time. What does the Lord say about my situation? Okay, I don't understand it. I don't quite get it. I'm a little frustrated, but I'm going to do it by faith. My coach said that 8% of all the golfers in the world will actually do what I do. Get a coach, pay attention, put the effort towards doing what he's, what he's teaching. Get a video, record it, watch it over again, watch it over again, watch it over again. Billy Graham, when he went to the grave, the greatest evangelist of our time, said he was concerned because 85 to 90% of the church was probably not saved. 
I would say statistically speaking that it's the same situation with those who are willing to do what it takes to get their golf game right or willing to do what it takes to actually find salvation and get their spiritual game right. We can get a lot rid of a lot of problems by just that right there. I'm not, is, are you mad at me? <laughs> I see some frowns in this room. Mm. Either y'all ate something bitter or I, <laughs> okay. Psalm 39, 6 says, we are merely moving shadows and are busy rushing ends in nothing. Do you know when the bema comes, the bema, the, the, the second judgment comes, there's going to be a first judgment like, oh, you're saved, good, you go this way. Oh, you're saved, you're going to hell. I mean, you're not saved, you're going to hell. I mean, something like that. I don't know what it's going to look like. Nobody knows. But there, the next seat is, oh, you're saved? Okay. This is where Jesus, you were right in face front with Jesus, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And too many of us are busy doing and going and thinking and rushing to ends, and it's ending in nothing. There's no eternal value to what it is that we're doing. And you can do the very same thing that you're doing, but you start to do it from a different place and a different perspective and for a different reason, and there becomes eternal value to it. But, but there may be a standing ovation because if you're busy and rushing the ends and nothing, there may be, maybe say, hey, <laughs> congratulations, you did nothing. But I toiled and I worked and I labored. For what? You did nothing. This is real. This, this is life. This is a spiritual journey that God's called us unto. And next, my relationship with God seems distant. I just don't know. I just don't feel him close. I don't know where he is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know, I don't hear him anymore. I don't know. I felt him so impactfully whenever I first got saved. And maybe you just need to sit down. Rest. Invite him into your presence. Be with him. These are just indicators. Psalms 46.10 says, be still. Now that's hard because there's these, all these voices and, and sounds and these competing issues and circumstances and tasks and things I need to get done and responsibilities and, and roles that I play in life and people who depend on me and people I'm depending on. Like all these voices are com constantly coming around. But he says, be still. And you calm those things according to the will of God and to the feet of God and know that he is God over those things. He's already got them worked out. He's just trying to get with you to give you revelation on how he's decided to work those things out. Hallelujah. I don't have to. I get to rest. He does the work. Ecclesia, uh, yeah. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, It is better to have a, only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Unfortunately, we're busy all the time trying to find peace of mind, and we don't want to have little. You're laughing because I'm right. Therefore, therefore, the distance between the truth I know and the truth I live equals the pain I experience. Now, I don't have to be a mathematician to realize my experience is only based on I'm not living out what I know I should do. Life hurts. And it is extremely demanding. And in those hurts, the whisperer, the enemy of our soul, comes in and starts to, in our busyness and chaos, and then our hurts, starts to whisper little navigational points of here's what you ought to do, here's what you should have said, here's what you need to do, here's what you, you ought to just run, you ought to just reject, you ought to just stop, you ought to just this, all this stuff. 
And we think, yeah, that's right, because it agrees with our flesh and our soul and our desires because we're hurt now. And then we start to move from that place rather than saying, nope, I'm going to rest in the presence of God, and I want to wait until I hear information and sounds that sound just like the, the Word of God. But we live from that space. And somebody said this, that I, I, thought, I thought Jesus said, come to me, all, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I came to Jesus, and now I'm stressed. <laughs> Because you're not honoring the principle of the Sabbath. And, and can I tell you that, that the Sabbath is the one of the Ten Commandments that we think is a suggestion. You wouldn't commit adultery, would you? You wouldn't covet your neighbor's anything, would you? Would you lie? Would you intentionally place idols in front of God? Can I tell you when you don't honor, honor the Sabbath, you break all of those? You are committing adultery? You are coveting? You are placing an idol because whatever you're doing instead of Sabbathing becomes your idol. And you're adultering because you're cheating on God with something else that doesn't give life. And, and it's a principle that comes with death penalty. Now, you don't die like as in you just fall over dead by not honoring the Sabbath. But these chemical imbalances we're talking about, these emotional issues, these character issues... These physical issues that come out of nowhere, it feels like your body's divorcing itself. Like you woke up and suddenly stuff that was, is hurting that wasn't hurting last night when you went to sleep. Part of it's getting old, but some of it is like the mind issues. These come, this is a slow death because we're not willing to rest and get in the presence of God. We need to live by principle and not by pressure. Too many of us are living by pressure. Okay, I'm, I'm so taxed out, I'm so worked up, and I'm so exhausted, now I need to rest. But we can avoid all that and live a much healthier and better life if we'll just, by principle, I'm going to set a day of the week, and I'm going to honor the Sabbath. I'm going to spend that day, I'm going to set it aside, spend that day with the Lord, and whatever he wants to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rest from my regular work, which is what he says to do. And I'm going to be with him out of principle, so that I'm not forced to, because there comes a day when you choose not to, there, you will get laid down. You go and go and go, your body can't keep up with what you do. Your mind can't keep up. In fact, when your mind can't keep up and your emotions can't keep, keep up, your relationships won't keep up. And then you want to see poor decision turn into, if you have kids, generational iniquities, because now I'm pouring this chaos into my kids, and I'm wondering what's wrong with my kids when in reality I won't slow down and rest, hear from the Father, get some presence, be, get some presence of God, and then move into, and lead my kids well. Oh, it's starting to get real now, isn't it? Hebrews 4.9 says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters... God's rest also rests from their works, meaning I'm going to go and get some time with the Lord. I'm going to hear from the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to journal because I'm going to forget what he says. I'm going to write down what's on my thoughts and my heart and my issues, and I'm going to submit them to him and see what he has to say. I'm going to document it so I can go back to it one day and see the testimonies of God in my own life, and I'm going to see what he has to say about the week, of head, week ahead, and I'm going to walk with the Lord based on what he is saying, and I'm going to find an being the ability to be in tune with the Lord throughout the day, and then I know I'm going to meet up with him again because I have a set Sabbath. 
That's how you set a routine which actually adds rest to your life and gives life and calls you to, to succeed. And then you're no longer working your works, but you're resting in his works, and he's doing it with you. Just as God did from his, we rest. Let us, therefore, make every effort. There's a rest to come in eternity, and there's a rest now if we'll allow ourselves to take the time, honor the Sabbath, and walk with the Lord consistently. You can find that rest. What will I do? I will say, I will, I will rest my body. Man, I'm going and going and going. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm tapped out. I don't know what I'm going to do right now, but I'm not doing anything in normal routine. I'm not doing my regular work. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to call, I'm doing anything that causes exhaustion. I'm going to rest my body. Here's the best Sabbath. If you're in the work world, uh, obviously it's not the same for those of us who minister in the church. If you're in the work world, Come in on a Sunday. I worship. I have community with friends. I get a word, and I'm listening, and I'm digesting. And then I leave home happy, and I, I eat a big meal, and I take a big nap, and I choose not to start my work week yet, but instead I plan my week and say, Lord, what do you say about this week ahead? Now he's in charge of my life. And he's walking this thing out with me because we, he and I, have a plan. That's what a Sabbath looks like. So I'll rest my body. Psalm 127, 2 says, It is in vain for your, it is, it is, it is vain for you to rise up early and retire late. I'm just going to work later, baby. I'm going to be out. I'm going to be gone all night. I'll probably get home about 8, 9. Don't worry. You put the kids to bed. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep making money. And I'm going to do this day after day after day after day because we just need it. And God says, that's in vain, meaning it's for you, not for him, meaning it is of no eternal value. When God talks about being in vain, it says, it, the, the, the uh, definition is of no eternal value. So you're rising up and having no eternal value for your exhaustion. You're eating the bread of painful labors, and some of you feel it, but God gives to his beloved even in his sleep. So when I choose to rest instead of working longer hours and exhausting myself and causing physical, mental, relational issues, I'm trusting that God is the God of my life. And Lord, you work out the situation and the details and what needs to happen as I'm resting. And then tomorrow I'll get up and I'll get started again. It's his promise. In your sleep, he will bless you if you allow him. Number two, I'll replenish my soul with quietness. We're not the Energizer Bunny. Anybody know the Energizer Bunny? Like I'm in the, in the era where this guy came alive and annoyed me. Six days God worked on the seventh. He's like, nope, I'm going to set an example for my people. We're going to rest. We're going to just enjoy creation. We're going to look around and be quiet. We have to create a discipline in our lives to practice solitude at least once per day, and at least a full day a week. I'm meeting with you, Lord. I just want to hear from you. I'm not using you. So many of us are like this. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you so much, Lord. I just want to be in your presence, and I'm on the social media, and I've got a phone. Ooh, ooh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to journal this. I'm going to, I'm going to hashtag this right here. Just spend time with the Lord for, for the Lord's sake and for yours. 
I'm going to pay close attention to the peace that God is trying to provide. I'm going to shut out the extra noise in our mind. I'm going to shut it out. Nope, I'm not going to deal with that right now. That can be later. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to be in the presence of God. I'm going to cause myself to learn how to focus on God's presence. Focus on learning to discern his presence. Begin to thank him, praise him, welcome him, him into your study. It's even better when the Holy Spirit shows up and illuminates your word. And then I'm going to honor him. If there's a hard word and you don't like it and it doesn't agree with your flesh, then it's probably the way you need to take it. The probably way you need to handle that situation. And even if you don't like it, it let me say, it, especially because you don't like it, you should put it into practice. Psalms 23, 2 and 3 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. He restores my mind, my emotions. He restores my emotions if I just sit down and spend time with Him and rest and read and study and journal and worship and watch His creation. If I allow Him to recreate me and not ex if I don't do things that exhaust me, my emotions are not out of balance. My mind is sound again. Hallelujah. And then he strengthens my will, which is also in my soul, to do, perform godly desires. Because when I'm tapped out, boy, my will loves my flesh. I'll replenish my soul with enjoyment, with enjoyment. Find what you enjoy that relaxes you and just do it. Only you know what you actually enjoy, but even a hobby can turn into routine labors, so be careful. Even fishing can turn into work. If you're exhausted from getting home from fishing, that's work. Okay. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Are you spending time with the Lord and you're cheerful and like you found joy? Because if not, you may not have spent time with the Lord. You probably just did some selfish things, self-pleasing things. And learn to feel his present peace and just find joy in him. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. So if I don't have joy, I may be lacking his presence. And you'll begin to feel the stresses just begin to push away. It's like this. <sighs> Number three is this. I will refocus my spirit on what matters. Now he went from soul is restored. Now it's focusing my spirit on what matters. Now because I'm rested, I actually have control. I have charge over my soul. My mind, will, and emotions no longer lead me because I'm not exhausted. Uh-uh-uh. Now the spirit man inside of me is leading, and the spirit man connects with the Holy Spirit, and now I can cause my soul to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, now I'm doing something. Now the kingdom of God, it can be on earth as it is in heaven, and now God can use me for his will, and it's not about me performing in the likeness of God, which turns into religion. See, I don't have to, I don't have to ask you to be a part of something if it's your calling. But if you feel, if i got to convince you to show up, then it's just an obligation for you. 
And when we're tapped out and exhausted and we're not spending time with the one who gives us calling and gives us purpose and gives us identity and gives us a sense of belonging, our calling will begin to feel like obligation and we will fail. That was way better than what you just said. John, 3 John says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Wait a minute. Just as your soul prospers. Could you say that right now, man, according to my soul and the condition of my soul and how, how in place I feel and how in the presence of God my, my soul feels, I hope that my health and my finances look just my, like my soul. Could you pray that? Most of us couldn't. Because we haven't been honoring the Sabbath, calling it holy. And therefore, our needs are not, because we disdain it. He disdains us. We're not honoring God in the, in the Sabbath. So now our needs aren't getting met and our prayers aren't getting answered and life just doesn't seem to work out and I've got more trials to deal with than I can handle. And I don't want my finances, my family, and my health or anything to look like my soul right now. But let me pray a word over you that the Lord gave me about 10 years ago. Maybe less. Maybe seven. We're sitting in our alley and I, that's my wife over there. Say hi. Good morning. sitting in my living room on a Sabbath day, a Sabbath on Friday, because I was in ministry at that time too, and we're building a house, and I'm the general contractor and half the builder. But I understand this principle called Sabbath, and I was honoring it, and I, I kind of didn't like it, because there was work that needed to get done, because nobody's going to build that thing except for me. And so I'm looking at it through the window, my kind of my lounge chair, a little faux leather, we couldn't afford leather. Faux leather lounge chair. And it was given to me, by the way. And I'm sitting there reading the word, and I'm reading books, and I got stuff out, you know, I'm reading. And Allie's just working away, like Martha, just sweeping, dust is flying, and you can see it, and like, would you please sit down so I can Sabbath? Obviously, I need rest because my emotions just weren't. <laughs> right? And in that moment, not long after, I read Isaiah 58, 13. And I want to read this over you. Would you just get in a place where you're just, here's how I find God. Like, I, I think the Holy Spirit is already working on some things with you. I think we've, we've, we've covered enough content to teach. I've got a lot more. You can go to version and get those notes. But I don't think we need to go further. So if you just, I just want to pray something over you. And I'm going to speak it from the Word of God as if, I am the voice of God. Is that fair? And this is actually called, I'm going to teach you more, another aspect of prayer. This is called contemplative prayer. Meaning, I'm reading the word and I'm contemplating what the Father is saying to me through his word. I'm allowing it to deep, get deep down inside to my deepest hurts because I'm taking time and I'm contemplating what it is that he's saying. And I'm allowing it to address the issues of my soul. Can I teach you something real quick? And then watch how the, 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 the God of the universe just begins to speak to you. So 
still with your, your eyes closed. Nobody's going to slap you in the face, nothing like that. Beloved, sorry, if because, if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure, on my holy day, and if you'll call the Sabbath a delight, and if when you think about a Sabbath rest with me, that it will bring delight to your heart. This holy day, this set-apart day that I've desired to schedule with you, and if you'll call it honorable, and then if you'll actually honor it, desisting, keeping from, resisting to do anything of your own way, trying to handle situations of life in your own manner, trying to solve your own problems, trying to, bring, being, trying to be your own resource. If you'll just resist from doing that and resist from seeking your own pleasure, what you think I want you to do, and speaking your own loose words over situations and people and circumstances and scenarios. If you'll do that, then you will take delight in me, your Lord. And you know what I'm going to do for you over all your problems? And all those desires you haven't figured out how to fulfill yet. Because you set apart this day and you met with me and you heard me and you, you listened to me and you honored me. I'm going to honor you back. And here's how I'm going to do that. That purpose that I've created you for, that I wrote about in Ephesians 2.10. Yeah, you're, you're my masterpiece. And I've created you on purpose for a purpose. You weren't a mistake. I don't care how you came into this earth. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will cause you to begin to rise in a dark situation. I will cause you to begin to rise out of a difficult situation. I will cause the success that I've already pre-planned for your life to come to fruition without your help. And then I'm going to feed you with the heritage of your father of faith, Abraham, which I did with him, his son Isaac, and his son Jacob, and I will continue to do with, every, with you as I have done with every one of his generations, even through Jesus. And I won't stop there. Because you're resting in me and honoring this day and calling it holy. And you're honoring what I'm asking you to do. And you're honoring me in all aspects of my word. I will even make your generations flourish that come after you. Let me just tell you. You can hold that, take it to the bank, and you can put it in your trust fund because the Lord has spoken. That was a contemplative 
prayer. And you can receive that to the depths of your soul. You can cash in on that. You can take it to the bank. You can do anything you want, and you can, you can retire on that thing right there. But you're going to have to apply the principles and the fruit of his word. He's just saying, would you learn to see what I'm doing in the midst of any situation? Pray, come to me, release it to me, thank me so I can give you revelation and grow your heart, your character, and cause you to be able to persevere beyond your old wounds and hurts that you're trying to live out of. Begin to praise me because I need the world to see a beacon of light that's flowing through you. And when you're going through a hard time, the world needs to see that you're praising me and giving glory to me because your whole purpose is to give glory to me. That's it. And then, yes... And then I, you honor me, the most difficult parts of the word. You're honoring me anyway because you trust me to be a good father. And then everything that you are working and laboring and trying for, I'm just going to cause them to happen. Can I tell you, whenever I got that word, I own that word. I have watched God bless my life through some of the most difficult situations since that word. I have watched God work on my behalf as I continue to honor the Sabbath because of that word. I am where I am and I'm going where I'm going because of what he does because I adhere to that word. And the most difficult and challenging things this church has had to face have come to fruition on my Sabbath day, which is a Friday, because I honored it and because of his word. And he won't stop. And if he did it for me and he's doing it for me, then he's got the same promise for you. This is why we keep honoring God in all things. The vision that I showed you earlier, those items, those things, those are just to move his vision forward. Those are just to bring people into his kingdom. Those are just to change people's lives. And he gets you to be a part of it by honoring him with these simple material possessions that mean nothing yeah. So it shouldn't be such a challenge to bring, ask the church, the children of God, to bring in the first fruits of all the increase to give it to the one who's actually bringing anything that we have anyway. Now I'm about to practice this bigger principle. I'm going on a sabbatical, so I can, I can say anything I want to right now. <laughs> I'm out for a month. I'm gone. Some of you won't be here, and I'm not going to be here if you're not here. But... If you're in town, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to be here. Because next month, we have obvious five weekends in July. There's 10 messages because there's two, two services per weekend. We've got nine messages, sorry, 10 messages being spoken by nine different communicators. And the, they're all from this house. Isn't that great? Hey. We are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, and we are raising up leaders, workers for the harvest. We all should be in on that, celebrating that, because that's what affects generations and communities. Amen? So come on, let's worship God, let's thank God, let's trust God, let's by principle put His truth into action, even when I don't like it. Come on, you ready? Here we go. I love you guys. Don't be furthest from the first. <laughs>